It's not the Zay. It's not the story. It's the Zay story. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of your imagination. Take a look, and you'll see into your imagination. With a spin, traveling in the world of my creation, what we'll see will defy. Look at what has been done with hearts and kidneys. Welcome back to the Zaid Store. My name is Kevin Zaid, and today we are taking a break from our scheduled review of Sausage Party, so apologies to the listenership. We won't make it to Sausage Party this week. We will get there next week, but we didn't get there this week because Gene Wilder sadly passed away on Sunday. This would be last Sunday uh, from when you are hearing this. And Gene Wilder takes a part in one of my all-time favorite comedies. In fact, it might have been the only comedy to top my top 25 films of all time. And that film is Blazing Saddles. Now, you know his voice. You've heard him on voicemails. He was a guest host for Inside Out. I'd like to welcome my co-host for the evening, Mr. Kenny P. That's me, Kenny <laughs> P. I'm back. How you doing, Kenny? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Good. I uh I can't say that this is my favorite of Gene Wilder's films. <laughs> uh if I was just going to choose one his iconic role for me, it wouldn't have been this one. This was the first Mel Brooks movie I've ever seen. So, it was interesting. It was an interesting experience for sure. Well, now, uh, Kenny, I'm really excited to talk to you about Blazing Saddles because I know you are not a fan of comedies <laughs> in general. That is true. <laughs> and so I'm anxious. I'm nervous on how you're going to rate this. Uh for a couple reasons. One, it's old, and I don't know your take on older, more classical films. Uh, yeah, I mean, just in general, I think for most films, if you don't have nostalgia associated with it, you'll almost always find it a bit dated. Sure. Even, you know, like, so movies that I <laughs> grew up watching in the 90s, I can go back and watch those and love those. But other movies from the same time period that I didn't watch when I was that age, going back and watching those, they seem really dated. Even though I know the ones I love are also just as dated. Right. I just don't have the nostalgia associated with it. That's fair. That's fair. That's actually, that's a good point. Uh Neither of us were alive when this right. film came out. Uh, I don't have a date. Do you have a date? I think it was 74. Okay, I was going to say 76. but Somewhere in there. Yeah. It was the 70s. 70s. Uh, a lot more recreational marijuana. Well, actually, maybe not now. Oh, man, maybe not. Hmm. 
That's a question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm really interested to talk about Blazing Saddles. And I'm I excited. Was, I was unaware that this was your first Mel Brooks. Yeah, I have some... Yeah, I enjoyed it for sure. It definitely reminded me a bit of, of some some newer movies, actually, so... Well, I'm sure we'll get into we'll talking get into about. It. We'll get into. I'm sure it. that the Gene Wilder conversation will transition a bit into Mel Brooks. Probably. They had a good relationship yeah. for sure, a good film relationship as well. He tweeted about Gene Wilder passing. I know they were okay. good friends in their in real life, as opposed to a working relationship as right. well. But uh, but yeah, he they had a good partnership. Uh, couple of my favorites would be the producers. Uh, uh, so these are Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks. Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks uh, comedies. Uh, Gene Wilder, Mel Brooks pairing. Okay. Um, the producers. And then he did that Young Frankenstein. And this one, I thought there was one more. So I guess technically, I have seen Young Frankenstein, so I guess technically this isn't my first Mel Brooks movie, but it's the first movie I knew. Right. Was Mel Brooks, I guess? Or I knew who Mel Brooks was or that he was a person and that I was watching one of his movies. Okay, yeah, that's When I watched Young (laughs) Frankenstein, I don't think that I would have known the name Mel Brooks at all. Gotcha, gotcha. I think maybe that's their only three that our classic Mel Brooks films where, you know, kind of like a Tarantino where he wrote and directed, you know, kind of, I think that might be the only pairings that I can think of. Now I correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you dressed up in your toga for the, the eighties party, that was in reference to a Mel Brooks movie, right? Yes, it was. Okay. It was a history of the world part one, which there is no part two. Correct. Correct. Okay. <laughs> There's no part two. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, having seen this movie now, it makes sense that he would have a movie with a part one with no part two. Just, right. Just to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll we'll get in. I think we should probably just get into it. Do you want to take us into the rundown? Yeah. Let's jump into the run. 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 He wore a shining star His job to offer battle To bad men near and far He conquered fear and he conquered hate He turned dark night into day He made his blazing saddle A torch to light the Outlaws ruled the West And fear filled the land A cry went up for a man with guts To take the West in hand They needed a man who was brave and true With justice for all as his aim Then out of the sun rode a man with a gun And Bart was his name Yes, Bart was his name. He rode a blazing 
So right away, uh, first scene, you definitely can tell you're in a movie taking place in the 70s when they bust out the racial slurs for uh, for Asians and African Americans. Yep. Right off the bat, uh, I don't think I've heard the word they use for for the Asians in the movie. I don't think I've heard that word in a long time. So it definitely <laughs> kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But in, so in the first scene, we uh, we see that there are white people uh, making these minorities work on building the railroad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially, it's not necessarily right off the bat that you can tell that this is going to be like a ridiculous comedy. It kind of feels like, oh, you know, maybe this is just a regular Western um, until they start getting into some of the dialogue about what songs can you sing <laughs> And then, you know, people riding their push cart into quicksand. Yes. <laughs> so then you right away realize, okay, this is a Western, but but not your typical Western. Right. When the when uh, the white people are trying to get the black folk to sing the Camp Town Ladies. Yes. But instead, they swap it on them. So the white people end up singing right. the Camp Town Ladies. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. And then they go right into the quicksand, which is clearly water with oatmeal in it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, now the song, the, the opening song. Right. Did you notice any of the lyrics in the song? So I, I, I couldn't repeat any of them now. Right. Sure. But. I definitely one of the the notes that I made right away actually was that I I liked the music. I thought it was it was a good touch. Like I liked that it was your traditional western sounding music, but then that they were having like a narrated song basically. Right. So I did like that. I listened to on the disc we watched. There's a there's a a commentary or okay. not, not a commentary, an interview okay. with Mel Brooks. It goes for about an hour oh, afterwards. Wow. Okay. Um, and he said that he's talking about the song and he told the guy who was singing it because Mel Brooks wrote it and the song, the song. Yeah. Okay. And he, he told the guy who was singing it nothing. And so the guy who was singing it thought it was a serious Western. And I guess he, my understanding is he died before the movie came out. So, he was saying, like, at the end of the song, like, the guy who was singing it kind of had a tear in his eye. Like, he was giving it his all for, like, this serious Western film that ended up being an outrageous comedy. And That's incredible. He never got to see the final footage. So, but, That's so really funny. He went thinking he did this incredible That's really Western. funny. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed... There, I think there was two points in the movie where you get some narration in musical form. Yes. And I thought both times it was one of the, the better parts of the movie. Okay. The, the church him. Yeah. That's what you're singing. Yeah. With, right? and, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when they're transitioning, um, and we'll, we'll get into it a little more, but just the self-awareness of the movie, I thought it was one of the, the things I did find more yeah. entertaining. I agree. Uh, but yeah, so there's a, 
a, a big cast of characters. There's town folks. There's the outlaws. There's the 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 governor who has to give this town folk a new sheriff. And one of the schemes is it would re- be really hard to do a play by play for this movie because right. it's so outlandish and there's yeah. twists and turns and completely unnecessary <laughs> right deviations from the actual story. <laughs> but he ends up giving this town a sheriff and it's the first black sheriff. And so that already is unheard of to these town folk. And he rides into town to be their new sheriff. And the story really is about uh, his name's Bart learning to be the sheriff of these town folks, stepping up to do his job. Yeah. Uh, It's about the town folk learning to accept his protection and right smack dab in the middle we get to meet the waco kid played by gene wilder yeah exactly he's the right hand man to to the new sheriff starts out as a prisoner ends up as a deputy yeah that was one of the things that was so (laughs) weird about this movie was like i think he was in a jail cell when we first meet him and then all of a sudden like no he's just out now like why was he in prison oh man are we awake are we black? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so from there, it the, the base the, the base storyline is your typical Western. Right. Town folk need protecting. Yeah. Outlaws need shooting. Absolutely. I think that's enough for me as far as a, a rundown. Are you, do you want to add anything? I don't think so. That's the, that's the gist of the movie. I don't think that you could run down the... The tone of the film. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, that was the run. run, run, run. There was a peaceful town called Rockridge, where people lived in harmony. They never had no kind of trouble. There was no hint of misery. who doesn't love comedies let's start with our least favorite part okay okay so i 
let me think of my least favorite part here. I actually wrote some things down in preparation yes. for this while I was. I take really, uh, really intense notes for my podcast that I do. So I tried not to just write down every little bit of thing that was happening, but I did. I did pick a least favorite. And my least favorite thing about this movie is that I is that I'm viewing it 40 years after it was made. And I just feel like it doesn't hold up 40 years later. Not that it's a bad movie, not that I just don't have the context. I don't mm-hmm. have, you know, like my guess is that at the time when this movie was made, it was probably the first of its kind, you know? Yeah, maybe in a lot of ways in the sense of like a spoof on a Western, right? There probably weren't a lot of directors in the seventies making spoof films that were getting released into theaters with well-known actors. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. It does. It looks old. I, I mean, right off the bat, it does look old. But one of the things I really appreciated about it was that, like, it was practical. Like, it was a practical set. Mm-hmm. Like, you could tell right away, yeah, this is 40 years old. None of this is computer <laughs> generated. Where nowadays, even with a Western, it's like... right. Is it cheaper rather than sending a big film crew out to the desert to film this scene? Is it cheaper just to computer generate it? Right. Put it on a green screen. Right. And so, I mean, there are things about it that I like about the fact that it's 40 years old. Right. Yeah. But overall, I just felt like I don't think that I enjoyed the movie as much as I should have based on the fact that I'm watching it 40 years later. Right. And I've seen movies that honestly are probably inspired by Mel Brooks films. Sure. That like now it just kind of seems like, eh, you know, watching this film to me in, in regards to kind of what you were saying, like, it was surprising to me of how, uh, like the the cutaway humor of like Family Guy is clearly derivated from a movie like this. Uh, maybe not this specific movie, but Mel Brooks kind of in general. But just when uh, the 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 one where he's hanging the horse, like, yeah, it's just like that would be in Family Guy. Oh right, where, you know, For or sure. or. Uh, the scenes where he's like hitting his head every time he pulls his head yeah. back into the window, like Absolutely. that would be something from a common like that. That might be in a Seth Rogen film. Like, oh right, I completely agree. Like, this is the basis for a lot of the humor that I find right. today still funny. <laughs> yeah, and and it, I think just certain elements of like, I think just in general, filmmaking. It's worse in a lot of ways in the sense of like, yeah, you don't even have to have real people in the scenes. Like, you can just do it all on a computer. But at the same time, there were just this, some things in this movie, like, that 
you just don't see in films nowadays. Like, I can't remember the last time a movie faded to black as a cutscene. Yes. And that <laughs> that happens like five or six times in this movie. Um and like I'm sure that it happens and, and maybe it's just more subtle, but it was very stark in this movie. Like, right. Oh, like it like <laughs> faded to black, like there wasn't some sort of a transition there. Yeah. And so then I started paying attention to like, is that what it does on every single like I didn't notice that before as it did on every scene. I was like, okay, no, it's not cutting to every scene in that right. way. But it was just little things like that that dated the movie to that's me. That's funny. That's that's a great that's a great comment. Uh I'll just get my least favorite part over the way uh, out of the way. My least favorite part in this movie is Mel Brooks. Okay. Uh now I don't even know who Mel Brooks is in the film. Mel Brooks is the governor. The one with the crossed eyes, the, okay. the really stupid okay. one who's always Who interested like in the, the woman. Right. Okay. Um, that's so that's Mel Brooks. That's Mel Brooks. Okay. And he I mean, I laughed when he was doing his stupid right. jokes and you know, I, I find Mel Brooks's sense of humor very funny. Like that it really gets my like funny his bone. movies. Yes. I love almost all of his movies. Some of them I'm kinda lukewarm on, but like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. Love Robin Hood Men in Tights. Young Frankenstein. Love Young Frankenstein. History of the World. Uh, the Twelve Chairs, I believe, is... Okay. I think that's what it's called. High Anxiety to Be or Not to Be. Uh, those three are kind of like, ah, they're all right. But uh, he, he, the producers, I love the producers. The remake was okay with uh, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. I haven't seen either. It's a musical. Okay. Holly, your wife might enjoy it. Did she watch this with you? She watched. Uh, she made it like <laughs> three fifths of the way through, and then was like, "I'm just gonna go take a shower." <laughs> Fair enough. So maybe she wouldn't like it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I just Mel Brooks gets me. His his sense of humor is my sense of humor. Okay. And, but in this particular film. I think it's really good when it's focused on the town and the sheriff and uh, the Waco kid and the outlaws. The, yeah. That's where it really thrives. And when it goes back to the convoluted, like, property management on how they can get the railroad around and Mel Brooks is just being a dweeb, like, I laughed, but it's it's really kind of takes the energy out of the film to me. So that would be my least favorite part. Okay. Um, yeah. What would be your favorite part? So, with 10 minutes left in the film, my answer to this question I had already written down <laughs> was the music. I actually, it was my favorite part. I, I thought the, the narrated songs were clever. I, I especially thought, like, the transition into them singing into the church, like, that was a good touch. Like, I liked that. Um, and then as you get to the ending of it, where it gets ridiculous, <laughs> yes. I changed my answer. And so my favorite part of the film, I sort of alluded to it earlier, is the over, overall self-awareness of the film. Um, once again, I, I have to imagine that there's not many people in this time 
doing things like that. Um, I couldn't tell you one that I'd seen from that time period. Right. Yeah. And so like the fact that like I wrote a few of the things down. So Lamar, um, who's sort of the guy doing the crooked dealings and right. stuff. Headley. Yes. Headley. Um, he sort of is doing a monologue and then asks why he's talking. Like, <laughs> why am I talking to you? And the camera is the only like there's no one around right. he's talking to the audience like right. um he mentions like he'll probably get a nomination for his performance in, <laughs> in this movie um obviously then you get like not to spoil it too much but it is 40 years old it's um, true <laughs> you know the fight at the end spilling yes. into other sets um, and then the even this the very last scene of the movie where where um, Bart and the Waco kid are riding their horses off into the sunset, which is a very typical ending for a western. But then they get like just off screen, and then there's a car there to pick them up, yes. and then they drive the car away, <laughs> and like somebody else just walks the horses off set. Right, so, like, it's stuff perfect. like that. Like okay, like. I have to admit, I did not laugh one time watching the movie. That's okay. But those were my favorite. Those, like, looking back, like, okay, those are my, my favorite parts. And those are definitely, like, like I mentioned, even though it does seem a little dated, those types of things are still used 40 years later as comedic elements of films. Yeah, it's true. It's it's great. I uh, I remember. Uh, I when was Monty Python out? Because they like the the one with the castle, Monty Python and the, the Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. I remember some of that humor in that, but I don't know when that came out. I've never seen any of the Monty Python. Movies. I don't love them, anyways. But uh, but yeah, the referential humor is phenomenal to me this movie was still just funny like i i did laugh out loud at almost every scene i think this is a funny movie uh the referential humor is is perfect Uh, yeah headley lamar uh the real person whose name is hetty lamar okay everybody keeps calling him hetty and he keeps saying it's headley yeah well, the real Hedy Lamar sued Mel Brooks. Okay. And they settled out of court for That's using funny. his namesake. So, like, that was funny. Uh, yeah, I just the, the the end where you're talking about where there's where they're like, well, what should we do now? Well, let's see how the movie ends. They yeah. go into the theater, right? And then it shows the on the screen the next scene of the movie, right? Where Gene Wilder still has his bucket of popcorn in his hand. Yeah, in the in the scene right. of the movie, so like that that kind of stuff is super funny. The writing is clever. The music is yeah. really good. Uh, that song in the church is just perfect. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think would you recommend this to somebody or not? What do you think? I mean. I don't love comedies myself. Yeah. We sort of mentioned that. If you're somebody who... 
I would say like some of the things you've mentioned, if you like South Park, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, you said Family Guy. Right, yeah. So like if you like Family Guy, I would say somebody that honestly has a very similar sense of humor is Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, agreed. Like he probably, you know, things like Ted or A Million Ways to Die in the West. I haven't even seen it, but I have to imagine that it's very similar. It's similar to this film. Right. Um and so if you are drawn to those types of movies, I don't necessarily know that you would watch this and like it as much. Once again, just cuz I think some of it has to do with nostalgia and when you see things. But I think that you would at least appreciate it and realize, like, wow, this guy was doing some of these things that I find really funny now. He was doing this 40 years ago. Um, If you're someone like my wife, who, like, she likes movies a lot, but she's (laughs) she doesn't like any, you know, like, she doesn't like Seth MacFarlane anything. So, no, I don't think. So, I mean, overall, I would say, like, if you like films, if you... If you just want to see like historical films, I would say for sure you should watch something <laughs> like Blazing Saddles, like or a Mel Brooks film in general, because he seemed to be pioneering things that yeah. are still used today. Um, or if you specifically, if you're somebody who really likes comedies, if you laugh easily or more easily than myself, then I think you'd enjoy this movie. You know what I was thinking about is Mel Brooks is the master of spoof. Yeah. Uh, there, for a while, in the 2000s, there were these movies, epic movie, Scary another movie. teen movie. Uh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, they're just, every year they came out with, a spoof film that basically spoofed all the movies that spoofed an entire, like almost generation or like it would spoof the entire previous year of film film. And they are terrible. They're so bad. I've seen one. I think it's on Netflix. Maybe it's called Tooken and it's a spoof (laughs) on the taken series. Yes. (laughs) I think you're right. I haven't seen it. I gave up on it a long time ago. Uh, oh, I've never seen any of those movies, but and it's too bad because a good spoof like this, yeah, is is original. It's not oh, for just sure. a copycat of something else. Uh, well, yeah, and I think that if you do a spoof well, it's not just like I think you have to like what you're spoofing. To spoof it well. Oh, I that's a like, great point. I don't I think Mel Brooks probably actually likes Westerns. And so he just highlighted some of the things that are in every Western that's really ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so like in every Western you kind of have this band of thieves who are out to you know only do what benefits them and you know you have so there's like those elements within this film that like yeah you could pick out five or six things that's in every western that's intended to be serious right but then when you put it in a different setting 
it's really funny because then it, it <laughs> sort of highlights the fact of like how ridiculous it actually is. Yeah. The, I was going to say too, cause you mentioned like, Oh, this is a 40 year old movie with like when they start dropping the CH word for yeah. Asian people and the N word. I was thinking that this was, this was is old, but it was, I think this was probably still fairly shocking in 1974 like oh for sure yeah they use some derogatory words for homosexual people as well and just i i don't think it was necessarily acceptable back then either oh right i think it was still people were probably like oh my gosh this is so offensive oh yeah it's pretty irreverent (laughs) for sure um i don't know i think that he like these movies also kind of show society at its worst as well that's yeah like a, for sure it's not just a a spoof on a genre but it's also a societal spoof as well right um yeah i mean and obviously it was taking place in the 1800s it right was, you know so yeah it was a comedic way of addressing like yeah some of this actually like this is like real like in the 1800s <laughs> like yeah if there was a black sheriff, like his reception wouldn't be much different than this. Like, yeah, we're doing it in a comedic way, but yeah, it wouldn't have flown very well. Right. <laughs> that scene is one of the greatest comedy scenes ever. <laughs> when yeah. they're all pointing the guns at him and he he points a gun Takes at himself, himself and stage. it's like, I'll blow his head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, this guy's crazy. He'll do it. Don't everybody put your guns down. He'll do it. Yeah. Like that's great. Uh, the bell ringing when the guy's like, the sheriff is a ding. Yeah. <laughs> he says the sheriff is near. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I laughed a lot. Now, uh, did you, have you actually said a favorite part? Oh, uh, Maybe not. Maybe I just was. I don't talking. think. I think you just got really excited and you I, didn't specify something as your favorite. I think this movie is a perfect example of genius writing. Like, okay. like the writing for this film is impeccable. We will rate Sausage Party next week. Okay. And let's just say. <laughs> One of them is impeccable <laughs> in a good way, and one of them is impeccable in a different way. Okay. And we'll hear about that, that next week. That might not be good. <laughs> a, sha- a foreshadow. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but I, think it's, I think it's smart. I think, it's, I think it plays well to today's. I, th- I would consider this movie timeless. Okay. And I did not watch this growing up. I watched this seven years ago for the first time it was 2009 when i watched it for the first time it was one of my friends favorite although i had never actually seen it okay and so i watched it uh and and that's so i didn't grow up necessarily watching this but i would i liked your point earlier about nostalgia bringing in certain types but i think i knew that you weren't gonna love this movie to be honest i I kind of thought you might dislike it. I think that part you mentioned that you watched it with another friend that loved it. I think that that would heighten your watching experience. If you watched it with a friend who's laughing. Yeah. yeah Cause like Holly and I 
you know, neither of us had seen it before. Um, and <laughs> neither of us necessarily would pick this movie just to right. watch like in a normal circumstance. And so I think had we been watching it with other people that really liked it, then I think that I might've laughed. Now, should we, before we rate the film, should we get a little Gene Wilder specific? Sure. Did you have any notes specifically regarding Gene Wilder? So he wasn't as, he wasn't in the film as much as I was, I I guess I didn't like, he came in the film so late. I was wondering like, was he one of the people like at the beginning? Like, was he just wearing makeup or something that I didn't recognize him? Like, um, but once he was introduced, what was really funny is I actually didn't th- find him very different from like Willy Wonka. Yeah. Like he actually is acting very similar to like, to like calm Willy Wonka. He's calm the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's like, he's a drunk. So he's not like, you know, <laughs> really all over the place or anything where I believe like, if I rem- if I'm remembering Young Frankenstein correctly, like he seems to be a little more over the top in that movie. Very much so. Um, it's Frankenstein, right? <laughs> and so I thought in this film it was kind of funny that he actually really reminded me a lot of Willy Wonka, just in a different setting. Yeah, his mannerisms and just his tone it was definitely more oh this is just this this is kind of just gene wilder just in his like his normal self is almost what it seemed like right i would be interested to just see differences like between him doing an interview doing this and to really see how much acting was taking place I read a quote from him that said, never try to make it funny. Always try to make it true. And okay. I thought that was really interesting because he was a good actor. Like, yeah. he is funny in roles like Young Frankenstein. Right. But, or Willy Wonka has is a funny, is more of a quirky right. movie. Absolutely. He's got funny moments. But, like, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory specifically, he's he's very genuine. Like he's very heartfelt. Like absolutely got that scene where he's in the tunnel, you know, there were that wonderful song in the room where it's all made out of chocolate. Like, yeah, uh, the world of pure imagination. Like he's got some really ups and downs in that movie. But overall, he's really just very genuine. Yeah. Well, I think he had a, a movie like Willy Wonka. He's the star of the film, even though he's not, the star of the film right his character i mean he's not even the main character of the film but the movie's named after him exactly even though the book the book is charlie in the chocolate factory but gene wilder did such a good performance i have to imagine that has something to do with why the movie was called willy wonka in the chocolate factory he just had more room to work in that type of a movie um, yeah, and I mean, he was a pretty. In all honesty, in this movie, he's a minor character. Yeah, it's true. As we were watching it, I kind of forgot how little he is actually in the film. He ends up teaming up with the sheriff, and they right. have some 
quote unquote adventures or yeah. whatnot together. But yeah, the I think maybe that's why that's my least favorite part is so much of the government scheming right. part that it's like Yeah, just, it's a lot of build up. That, once but... Gene Wild I mean, I think once Gene Wilder was introduced in the movie, he was a part of everything that was happening from then on. Right. And he was definitely one of the better parts of the movies, or the movie at least got better once he was introduced. Yeah. And I but I think it probably has more to do with like you said we're kind of done with the government stuff at that point. We sort of set that up through the first third of the movie and then the remainder of the film is when you are kind of into the meat of it where yeah. it's more the interaction between the town, the sheriff and then the bandits. Right. But uh yeah, so that was kind of our discussion on Blazing Saddles. Yep. I did read something of that incident when I was a student, but you have to remember that a worm, with very few exceptions, is not a human being. <laughs> but wasn't that the whole basis of your grandfather's work, sir? The reanimation of dead tissue? My grandfather was a very sick man. But as a Frankenstein... Aren't you the least bit curious about it? Doesn't the bringing back to life what was once dead hold any intrigue for you? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Dead is dead. But look at what has been done with hearts and kidneys. Hearts and kidneys are tinker toys. I'm talking about the central nervous system. But sir... I am a scientist, not a philosopher. You have more chance of reanimating a scalpel than you have of mending a broken nervous system. But what about your grandfather's work, sir? My grandfather's work was doo-doo. I am not interested in death. The only thing that concerns me is the preservation of life. Class you know what that sound is it's time to rate <laughs> i almost said willy wonka <laughs> it's time to rate blazing saddles kenny okay. i'm gonna let you take it away okay so i uh i don't like comedies much in general i previously on the the inside out episode i rated it against other animated films i believe i ended up at a five i believe so yes um i don't necessarily know that rating it against other comedic films would do much (laughs) just because i don't like any comedies in general there's not like you know like i have these five comedies that are you know up there and right um but I actually think that our conversation has raised it a point for me. I'm and so, so glad. I'll, I'll put it. <laughs> I'm actually going to put it at a four. I'm so happy. I uh, I came in tonight ex- expecting to put it at a three, but really talking through some of the things. And I really do think that it was a trend setting movie. It was ahead of its time. Yeah. And some of the magic of it is lost on a viewer that's watching it for the first time 40 years later. And so 
thinking of it in a historical perspective, I think I'll put it at a four. I think that's a perfect rating. Um, I'm going to give this a six. Um, I recently turned in a list of favorite or the best 25 films of all time, in my opinion, to this uh, Facebook group uh, the Zade Story participates in, which the Salem Film Critics... uh, Okay. It's a it's a Facebook group. It's every every month or so. It turns out to be more like every couple of months we submit lists. We've done two okay. decades now, and then we decided to do uh, all time. All time. Okay. Uh, recently, we did top twenty five of all time, and and Blazing Saddles. I don't remember where I put it. I think I put it at like maybe twenty two or twenty three, somewhere around okay. there, of my favorites of all time, and. I didn't watch it growing up. I do think that it, it is. Ju- I think you're right. The trend setting, the fact that it's. I think it is relevant to this day, even in film, especially compared to film. Um, and yeah, so I'm gonna stick with a six. Uh, this is my favorite. Mel Brooks. Um, after watching it, unfortunately, we were watching it because of Gene Wilder. Yeah. Um, and after watching it, I would probably rate young frankenstein actually as a better gene wilder specific okay. role so um in hindsight i wish we'd rewatched that instead but for this specific occasion but at uh, least in at least i got to see a first time i got to see one of your top 25 films of all time exactly and, and now you probably we had both seen <laughs> i mean really Gene Wilder's three iconic roles are probably, you know, Blazing Saddles, yeah. Willy Wonka, Young Frankenstein. So of those three, this is the only one that I hadn't seen. So he it was a did good do a series with Richard Pryor. He okay. did like two or three films where he they were bank robbers. They were okay. um I've never seen one of them. Interesting. But I, I would love to get my hands on one of those. Uh, okay. I don't know how you feel about Richard Pryor. I don't even think I know who that is. He's one of the first black comedians to really make it big. He okay. was pretty controversial. Kind of like Eddie Murphy probably took a lot from Richard Pryor. Okay. Um, yeah, but they have a they have like a trilogy kind so of. So it was Lethal Weapon before Lethal Weapon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which but, there is going to be a Lethal Weapon television show. I don't know if I you're aware saw of that. that. It has. Uh, it looks terrible. Yeah, it it looks really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be watching it. I might. Which would okay? Uh, actually, I, might watch I just it on I demand. just came up with a would you rather. It has nothing to do with it, but maybe we can get to a would you rather here in a little bit. I think that's it. I I rated it already. Let's okay. let's do it right now. Would so, you rather? I came up with this on the spot, organically. Organic conversation led to would you rather watch. The television remake of Lethal Weapon. Oh, my gosh. Or the television remake of Rush Hour. Oh, wow. Lethal Weapon (laughs) in a heartbeat. I've never seen a Lethal Weapon. I've never seen a Rush Hour. Um, (laughs) But I actually think that the Rush Hour TV show looks like it might be better. Have you seen the previews for that at all? No. Yeah. Lethal Weapon looks like it might think it's better than it is, where I think Rush <laughs> Hour kind of knows it's a 
stupid idea. Yeah, I, I'll have to check out the trailer. <laughs> but that, yeah. Anyway, it just they're very similar premises, about a decade apart. Yep. And uh, but now they're both coming to television at the same time. Oh, man, you never seen Lethal Weapon? Not a one. They're all good. <laughs> and all by of them? all good, I mean three of them are not good, okay. but fun to watch. <laughs> but you should watch them. But okay. the first one is pretty decent. Now if you like 80s action. It's Mel Gibson and Danny Glover? Correct. Okay. Uh if if you like 80s action, the first one isn't even like a a real comedy. They get more comedic. Yeah. The punchlines get shorter and shorter uh as and more frequent as the series progresses. The most that I know about any of the lethal weapons is that Danny Glover's catchphrase, I believe, that <laughs> yes. I've learned from how I met your mother is I'm too old for this. That's you got it. That's that's, that's the catchphrase. So that yeah, that's the only <laughs> thing I know about lethal weapon. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm torn on whether I should let you borrow it on the way out because part of me maybe should just keep perpetually recommending it to you without I, uh, ever actually hoping you see it. I'll only commit to watching it if you need another fill-in for an episode <laughs> of the Zayn story. Uh, but don't you think you want to review one movie on the Zayd story that is actually in your wheelhouse? <laughs> That's not a comedy or a kids movie. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, if I had to choose, if this was my choice, would be uh, on a small scale to do maybe one episode on the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, or long term plan start at the beginning of Christopher Nolan's filmography and over the course of you know five years whatever as you need a fill-in host we just jump into the next next movie in his filmography those would be kind of my wheelhouse those would be fun things to do although that could get repetitive so i'm not necessarily opposed to either of those ideas those would be my wheelhouse or the other thing would be some sort of just senseless action movie like if they made an Expendables <laughs> four, they've made three, right? Four's filming, I think. Okay, so maybe like an Expendables four. Oh no, actually, what am I thinking? Rambo. Fast eight. Oh, okay. Fast That's eight. That's true. That is your jam for a new one. Actually, who you should have on for that is my wife. She actually likes those more than than I. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we'll get it in the books. Have your people call my people. Yeah. Our, my producer, you know, he'll yeah. get, he'll get in touch with yours. Okay, and... good, good. Uh, speaking of your producer, uh, Kenny, you are the well. I was going to tell the listeners, Kenny P here is the co-host of Thirty Rockers, which is a Thirty Rock podcast. Yes, you you've been going. You released one in the beginning of August or in July uh one in yeah mid july we sort of just released like an introductory episode and then august i think august 1st just happened to be a monday so we started on that rhythm of every monday you get a new episode and it actually ends up being more like 10 p.m on sunday 
Right, but, yeah, yeah. But when and, you wake up yeah. Monday morning, you get an episode of 30 Rock. You're up to six. You got one coming out this coming Monday? Yep, yeah. Labor this... Day? You're not taking Labor Day off? Nope, no, no vacations. We're actually considering... I think we're going to go through season one at this pace and then see if we can increase the pace to two a week. Two a week? Yeah, it's... Oh, wow. uh it's going to take a long time. It's going to take like three and a half years to get through or like th- right around three years to get week. through the whole series at one a week. So it's a big commitment. Now, just it, right now, it's like an hour long format where you do. Yeah. It's some it's not similar, but it's it's a review podcast where you review each episode, right? Or you get yeah, some so sort of we, a recap. So d- the trucker hat is different in the sense from the zade story that it's all spoilers the expectation is that you've watched the episode before you're listening to the the episode that we're doing and we basically just we don't have anything planned at the beginning of recording all we have is the notes that i've taken and the notes that hall has taken and we just go through and wherever the conversation leads (laughs) us it's all sparked somehow by that episode of 30 rock it's good. Uh, I'm I've almost caught up now because I, well, I listened to episode one, not the spoil, not the setup episode, but okay. the first episode yeah. without watching the episode. Okay, because I just hadn't had time to see it. I just was gonna listen to the show, and I was like, before I listen to two and three, there's no way. I definitely recommend you should watch the show before. You listen to the podcast because the first episode, I was a little lost. I yeah. I knew who the characters were. I'd seen you know a, a handful of episodes before, so I wasn't completely lost. But after watching the episodes, it made it much clearer what was going on. Yeah, that's. I think that that's probably going to be the sweet spot to watch the episode and then listen. Yeah, and. You know, it's kind of like talking Blazing Saddles. When this show's been over for four right. years now, not quite, maybe three years, it's been ended. Yeah, it's been a few years. Um, I think 2013 was its last season. I think when you listen to a movie podcast review, you're either listening because, one, you saw the movie and you want to know our take, or two... You maybe saw a preview and you want to know if it's any good or not. If you should see it. Exactly. If you should so spend your money. You can sure. listen to a movie podcast one of two ways, which is yeah. pre- presumably why we don't do oh, spoilers. Right. For sure. But on a TV show. You know, what I would be interested in for you and Josh, maybe either, you know, just every now and then pepper in one an old favorite where you do dive deeper into like. This is going to be a spoiler-heavy episode. Like the assumption is, you've seen this movie before you're listening to this episode, or you just don't care if right. we're going to spoil it. Right. But like, we're going to actually dive into like, you know, deep parts about the movie. Now, have you? Because we've done some spoiler sessions at the end. Yeah. Post op or post episode. Yeah. Is do you like that, or would you say? That you'd rather that just be in the film or in the discussion. No, and- I think that that's good because I think when you've done that, it's been newer movies. And I think right. that that's smart of like, 
you know, if you want, like, we're recommending you see this. We don't want to spoil it, especially if the spoiler is a big part of the movie. Right. If that's a big part of the appeal of it. Right. Then, like, I like that. Uh, you got anything else you want to plug? I don't think so. If you guys Thanks. like 30 Rock, you should definitely listen to the podcast. Yeah. I was surprised that you found a subject that had no podcasts about it. Cause yeah, it I've was told pretty crazy. people there's podcasts about anything. Yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, I was really surprised, especially since 30 Rock was a pretty popular show. Oh, it will, and Tina Fey's right. very popular, as is Alec Baldwin. I just think even, you know, I think in 2010, 2011, whatever, it was nearing the end of it, so somebody probably was going to start a new podcast for a show that had been on for four seasons. So yeah. that's probably why Didn't, one never got it made about just it. just kind of missed it. That's yeah. a good, probably a good theory. But uh, yeah, if you like 30 Rock, definitely check out 30 Rockers. And we'd we'd love the listener. Uh, you're on Twitter. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can check us out online at uh, 30rockers.com as well. Very good. Thanks for having me on. It was a, a pleasure to be back in the Zaid Story studio. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Short notice. Thank you for watching a movie that I made you watch. <laughs> no, it was good. It and, was uh, appropriate. Yeah. As uh, Gene Wilder will be missed. Absolutely. Uh, how many beers do we rate your favorite movie? My name is Kevin Zaid. And I'm Kenny P. Ooda Lolly. <laughs> If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do it, want to change the world, there's nothing to it. It's not the Zade. It's not the story. It's the Zade story. Okay. And like he's like, Pause for the helicopter. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> That's pretty close. I don't know what they're what right? the helicopters doing. It's late too. It must be the The person that came in probably wasn't your wife. It was probably an axe murderer and that's what the helicopter's looking for. Oh, I like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should check on my kids. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm sure it's just joking. Ah, it's fine. Uh, maybe he was going to be an axe murderer, but he got caught listening to our conversation okay. and was so caught up with it's it. It's like, I love Gene it's Wilder. Like, yeah. He's he, my favorite, he's sad and I'm now. really sad that he died. <laughs> um, 